In this episode of Pastor Brad Rocks, we're going to talk about something that is so big, so good, so awesome, so life-changing, so eternally magnificent. I mean, I'm just trying to come up with every word I can find, man, that just says awesome. There's no way I could describe it adequately in a thousand episodes of the Pastor Brad Rocks podcast, man. We're going to talk about grace, God's unearnable, unmerited goodness, favor, blessing, forgiveness that he gives to us through Jesus, man. I mean, this is the greatest subject in the world. And if this doesn't rock you up, man, as my grandma used to say, if this doesn't fire you up, your wood's wet, dude, because this is the greatest subject in the world, man. I, I, I'm fired up. I can't wait to share this with you. And of course, with this, I have a song for my 2004 album, Out of the Hellhole, called, very simply, Grace. The song is an, it's, it's just another attempt to try to describe this indescribable, awesome gift from God. So you picked a good one to drop into here, man. You're going to be rocked up. God's in this. I'm fired up. I can't wait to share it with you. Let's do this. Hey man, it's Pastor Brad here, your 80s heavy metal, head-banging, Jesus-loving online pastor. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Pastor Brad Rocks podcast. Hey, wherever you happen to be listening to this episode, be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. If you're enjoying these podcasts, whatever platform you happen to be on, if you can leave a thumbs up or a comment or share this episode with a friend, that would be awesome to help the audience grow. God bless you, man. Thank you in advance so much for that. And now... Let's move on to the point of today's podcast. The word grace in our culture is used a lot of different ways. Some people just use it to describe social etiquette or poise, like, oh, they have so much grace, you know, in the way they handle themselves or whatever. Um, sometimes grace is just what people use to say, hey, let's, let's, let's say a prayer before our, our meal. Okay, let's say grace. I never really understood that. I don't know what that means to say grace. But anyway, I mean, I, I know what they mean by it, but it just seems weird to me. Uh, sometimes grace is like it's it's used in um, um, bills or, or like in our mortgage. It's like, well, when's the bill? When's the mortgage due? Well, it's it's due on this date, but then we have a grace period. It's like, okay, this is a period when you can, you can still pay it late, but there won't be a penalty. Some theologians have described grace this way. It's God's unmerited favor. Huh? Okay, now if you've been a student of theology and and words, then you know you you get that unmerited. It means there's nothing you can do to earn it. And favor equals God's blessing. Okay, so it's 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 unmerited favor or blessing. Okay. Okay, I kind of get what that means, but. What does that mean for my life? So let's just dig into what the Bible actually says about grace and see if this helps a little bit, okay? Here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. 
We're going to break those verses down line by line, phrase by phrase, and I think when we're done, you're going to have a pretty good understanding of what it means to say, I am a person who has been redeemed and saved and made right with God by his grace. Okay, so this passage comes in chapter five of Paul's letter to the Romans. Now, we got to get big picture context, okay? Paul is writing in the context of scripture, and it starts with God creating man. He loved man. He created man for relationship. We all sinned. We get that. We were broke, and because of sin and God's holiness, we were cut off from God. We were cut off from relationship with God. So Paul opens Romans in chapter one, verses uh, 16 and 17, saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news about Jesus and the cross, because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. And then he says in chapters two and three, here's what you got to understand. You got to know why this is good news. It's good news because it's the only way to be made right with God. We all try to be good enough. We all rationalize our behaviors and we try to be religious enough or moral enough or compare ourselves to other people and say, hey, I'm good enough. Well, in chapters two and three, Paul just systematically shreds all of that. He says, you can't be good enough, religious enough. You, 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 you can't be moral enough to earn God's favor. He's perfect. You're not, period. Okay? The only way to be made right with God is through faith. And so in chapter four, he shows us the example of Abraham. And he says, this is what faith looks like. Faith believes, it trusts, and it obeys. It believes what God says, and it acts on it. Abraham, when God said, I'm going to make you a great nation, I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand and the seashore, but I want you to leave your homeland and come follow me. Leave your old life behind and come follow me. And here's how we know Abraham trusted God. He did it. He stepped into it. And the Bible says he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. So so faith is trust that obeys. Near the end of chapter 4, Paul says, listen, listen, you're no different than Abraham. When you trust and obey just like Abraham, you're made right with God as well, okay? It's credited to you as righteousness when you believe God, okay? What do you need to believe? You need to believe the gospel. We're broken sinners. God sent his perfect son to shed his blood on the cross to atone for, to pay for our sin, to make a way for us to be forgiven and to have our sin covered because Jesus took the punishment for us. So we put our trust in him and we turn to him and God credits us with righteousness. That is with right standing with God because of our faith, our trust in Jesus, okay? Just like Abraham trusted God and obeyed, we trust God's promise to forgive us through Jesus. When we step into a trusting relationship with him, we receive him as Savior. We make him our Lord and we begin to walk in faith, trusting him. So Paul picks up on that in chapter five. First, Paul says, since we've been justified, okay, now he's referring to what happened to us when we put our faith in Jesus, we've been justified through our faith in Christ. Now listen, to be justified, a very simple definition means to be made just as if we never sinned. The easiest way to think about that is to go back to Genesis. In the garden, Adam and Eve, they haven't eaten the forbidden fruit yet. They have not disobeyed God. What was their state? They were in perfect relationship with God because they'd never sinned, okay? When you put your faith in Jesus, when you trust him, when you step into this relationship like Paul's talking about as receiving Christ as Savior, you are made just like they were before the fall. You're in perfect relationship, man. It's just like you never sinned. And so through faith in Jesus, that's what God does for you. He makes you just as if you never sinned. Paul says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, now, Paul says, we have peace with God. Now, that's only a big deal if you understand that before Jesus, you were an enemy of God. You were an object of wrath. God's holiness demanded that you be destroyed because of your sin. But now, 
because of Jesus, you've been made right with God, you've been justified, and now you have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, Paul says. Through whom? Through Jesus. We have gained access to something. We've gained access by faith to this grace in which we now stand. So Paul says, look, it's all through Jesus, our trust in him, our, his work on the cross, what he's done for us. He, he justified us and he gave us peace and now we've gained access to God's grace and we stand in this grace, which means it's not just something he gave us a little bit of one time. No, it's a 24-7, 365 for all eternity deal. We stand, we live in grace. Now, let me see if I can do just a little bit to help you understand this unbelievable reality of grace. Okay, here's another definition for it that I think is, it's probably the best one I've ever found. If you take the letters G-R-A-C-E and you make it an acronym, you can define grace this way. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches, G-R, at Christ's A-C, expense. Right, Because grace is too multifaceted to try to define with one simple definition. I mean, grace includes God's love, his joy, the joy of God, the hope of God, the peace of God, the, the faithfulness of God, the gentleness of God, the, 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 the faithfulness of God to keep every single promise he's ever made to us. Every promise is yes, Paul says, to the Christ follower because of Jesus. Because of what Jesus did for us, God is faithful to give us every spiritual blessing in Christ. It's innumerable. This is why riches kind of covers it better. The riches of God that are, that are innumerable and indescribable. Christ made them all available to us because of the cross. Now let me just get real practical here and just talk about three aspects of grace that will bless you today, okay? Because the Bible, instead of giving one definition of grace, it just uses the term grace in lots of different ways in scripture and cumulatively when you read through the scriptures, you begin to put it together and get a sense of what grace is. One way that the Bible speaks about grace is saving grace. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, Paul says, we are saved by grace. And this is where unmerited favor really works. Unmerited means unearnable favor. God chooses because of Jesus to give us salvation. It's unearnable. We can't do anything to, uh, to work for it but we put our trust in Christ, we step into that relationship and God gives us his favor and says, I'm gonna justify you. That's grace. John Newton, when he wrote the song, Amazing Grace was blown away by this truth. In verse one, he says, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. In other words, dude, I get it, I'm broke, I'm, I'm a wretch. I mean, that's not even a word we use very often, but we totally get it, don't we? He said, I'm a wretch, man. I, I'm the worst. But you saved me by your grace, by your goodness. I could never earn it, but you gave it to me because of Jesus. That's awesome, man. Here's another cool story that kind of helps us understand this aspect of grace. There was a man, as the story goes, who was walking through life and he stumbled and he fell into a deep pit and he could not get out. There was nothing he could do to get out of this pit. And one of the great religious leaders of the, of the world came by, Confucius. And he stopped and he looked down in the pit and he said, oh, you fell into a pit. And the man said, yes, I fell into this pit. Can you help me get out of this pit? And Confucius just proceeded to lecture the man. If you had listened to my teachings, my son, 
you would never have fallen into the pit. Yeah, I know. I get that. Okay, I, I should have listened, but I didn't. I, I messed up. I fell into the pit. Can you help me? And Confucius just continued to, to just speak to him in this way that said, oh, you shouldn't have done that. You really messed up. And then he walked on, but he didn't do anything to help him. And then a few minutes later, a big chubby dude comes walking by, Buddha. And he looks down in the pit and he says, oh, you fell into the pit. That must be very alarming and difficult. And the guy says, yeah, that's alarming. It's, it's horrible. It stinks. I'm, can you help me get out of the pit? And Buddha says, oh, my child, you just need to meditate. You need to clear your mind. You need to calm down, sit down, take some deep breaths. Home, home, right? Just rest, empty yourself of yourself, and then you will soon find peace coming over you. All your worry will go away. Home, and you have peace like me. And the dude said, look, I'm all for peace, but just as soon as I get out of the pit, can you help me? And he just, all he did was give him this these platitudes about sitting and, and emptying his mind, and he walked away. And then Jesus came walking by, and he said, oh, dude, you fell in a pit. And the guy says, yeah, I fell in a pit. Can you help me get out of the pit? And Jesus reached down his hand and helped the dude out of the pit. And then he began to talk to him about how to stay out of the pit. You see, this is what Jesus does. He meets us in our point of need, picks us up, lifts us by his grace, his goodness, his love that we could never earn. There's nothing we could do to deserve it or earn it. He lifts us up out of the pit when we turn to him. And then he begins to walk with us so that we learn how to stay out of those pits. And if we ever fall in him again, he's there for us. His grace is greater than all our sin. It's awesome. This is how grace works, friends. We don't deserve it, we can't earn it, and it does for us what we could never do for ourselves. The second aspect of grace I want us to consider is sustaining grace, okay? To sustain means to lift you and hold you up, right? It's one thing to be saved and to be forgiven, but then guess what you gotta do? You gotta keep on living. You gotta face some difficulties. You gotta face some challenges. It's God's grace that not only forgives you and makes you right with God, but he keeps you. He holds you, he sustains you. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse nine is a great example of this. Paul in chapter 12 describes this thing that he calls a thorn in his flesh, a messenger of Satan that was given to him, uh, that God allowed sovereignly, God allows trials and thorns to come into our life sometimes. And he does it to, he always uses it. Nothing is ever wasted in God's economy. God is always at work in every circumstance of our life to make us more and more like Jesus, to deepen our faith, to help us grow. And so he allows these trials to come in. And that's what he's done here in Paul's life. And Paul says, three times I pleaded with him, please take Take this thorn away, I can't take it. And God's response in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse nine is this, Paul, no, 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 I'm not gonna take the thorn away. My grace is sufficient for you. And then he goes on to describe how that kind of gets fleshed out in real life. He said, you see, my strength is made perfect in weakness. That is, you will fully come to understand what it means to rely on my strength and let me carry you through difficult times when you're in your weakest places. When you finally come to that place where the, you realize that I'm all you have, you'll begin to realize that I'm all you need. That's when we begin to experience the sustaining grace of God. In verse three of Amazing Grace, John Newton refers to this grace as well, this form of grace, this aspect of grace. He says, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Twas grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead us home. I love it. So he's, look, he's like, look, not only did grace save a wretch like me, but it carries me through life's difficult times. Love it. 
And then the third of countless aspects of grace that we could talk about is empowering grace. Grace not only forgives us and justifies us and carries us through difficult times, but it empowers us to live the life that God calls us to. And Romans chapter one, verse five, this is just one of many verses that we could refer to where grace is spoken of this way. Paul says, we, that is me and my team, we received grace and apostleship. Apostleship is a calling to be a messenger of God, right? To preach the gospel. He says, we received grace to call the Gentiles to the obedience that comes through faith, he says there in that, in that verse. In other words, God called us to a mission and he gave us grace to do it. It's like he could have said, God gave us the strength and the power we would need to do it. So grace is like this power that God gives us to live the life he's called us to live. So when God forgives you and calls you into a new life of following Christ, he also will sustain you through every difficult time and he will give you the strength that you need to do everything that he calls you to do. There's an old saying that goes like this, if God leads you to it, he will lead you through it. So God's grace, it saves us, it sustains us, and it empowers us. This is kind of what Paul's alluding to in Philippians 4.13 when he says, I can do all things through Christ. You could say through the grace of Christ, through the grace of God in Christ, who gives me strength, or that gives me strength. God's riches, God's innumerable, endless riches of power and provision and blessing and sustenance and, and anything we need to, to live for Him at Christ's expense. Well, that brings us to the song Grace, and the backstory in this is kind of interesting. I don't remember all the details, but I remember exactly where I was when I wrote this song. I didn't have a guitar in my hand. I was in the car. We were headed for Carlisle, Pennsylvania. That's where Kelly's folks live. We're weaving through the mountains, and I'm just daydreaming, and all of a sudden, this, this song, I probably heard another song on the radio that inspired something or whatever, and I begin to write this song. And I, I get this groove, this feeling for this bass. Dun, 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 dun. Just, it just, you, you'll hear it when you get to the song. And all of a sudden, I just start thinking of these lines describing grace, trying to describe grace and coming at it from a lot of different angles. And that, and the, and the you know, 90% of the lyrics are in my head, and I'm just like searching for a scrap piece of paper to jot some things down. And when I got to the house, I pulled up my guitar and a little tape recorder, and I scratched out a real early version of this so that I would have it. And then later I came home, and I sat down in my studio in Mishawaka, Indiana. This was still the, uh, the pastor's study studio that I've talked about in past episodes. And that afternoon, I recorded this song, Grace. It's all about what we've been talking about, God's riches at Christ's expense. It'll bless you. It'll sustain you. It'll save you. And it all comes when you put your faith in Jesus, man. So I hope this song blesses you and rocks you up. Thanks for hanging out with me, man. Let's bang our heads a little bit. Here it is. Grace.
All right. Hey, man, thanks so much for hanging out with me on this podcast. I hope you really enjoyed it, and I hope it totally rocked you up for Jesus. As we wrap things up here, let me quickly say, if you dig what I'm doing, man, and you're blessed by the music, the podcast, the teaching videos, etc., and you want to support this ministry, this mission to reach classic metalheads for Jesus, I want to invite you to head over to my Patreon page and learn how your just couple dollars a month will make a huge difference in this ministry. And also about some amazing exclusive benefits that you'll receive in exchange for your support. The link to my Patreon page will be at the very top of the show notes. So head over there, check it out, learn about it, pray about it. And whatever you decide, man, God bless you. And thanks for being part of the Pastor Brad Rocks family, man. Remember to like, share, subscribe, leave comments, all those things. That helps the show to grow. Really appreciate it. Stop by PastorBradRocks.net sometime. Over there, you can learn all about the ministry, the music, get some free uh, music downloads, all kind of cool stuff. Also, if you're interested in following Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, best decision you'll ever, ever, ever make promise bar none. You can learn about that over at pastorbradrocks.net as well, or leave a comment here. I'll get back with you. Shoot me an email at pastorbrad at AOL.com. Yes, I still use AOL. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) Thanks for hanging out with me, man. Until next time, keep your eyes on Jesus. God bless you. Pastor Brad, out.